People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. How the devil are you all? Long time no see. Ahoy. <laughs> Ahoy. Yeah, welcome back. It's uh, It's been a bit, hasn't it? It's yes, been a- it's been extremely busy. Yeah, we have. Unfortunately. So you've had a few episodes with uh, just Lee in and a couple of episodes with just me in, so uh, we finally found a time to record together. Absolutely. And we've got a little treat coming up, hopefully. Fingers crossed if all goes well, won't thingy, but we've got a little treat for you mm. uh, Halloween. That should be an exciting episode. Yes, I hope so. If you like if werewolves. It, if it all goes through, yeah, if it goes mm. through, all right. Got a special guest planned. Not yes. going to give you any more than that. Back by uh, demand. <laughs> yeah. Is that the word? It's, well, yeah, back high by... High demand. Popular demand. Popular demand, popular. that's the one, yeah. Yeah. Not high demand. Anyway, the point is, I've been reading this exciting book. I've said exciting twice now, haven't I? Thing. Yeah, but this isn't a British newspaper. You can say what you want. No, it's true. But um, anyway, so I thought I'd share it with you all because it's a little bit intriguing, and I think you'll find it interesting. And not only that, but I'm I'm going to go into some of the details of the book, obviously. Uh, but I'm not going to give you I'm not going to give you enough where you don't want to go out and buy the book, right? So the people who want who enjoy what I'm going to say here, um, do we know the author of the book? Yeah, John Irwin. Do we know him? We've we've had no, no. Okay, so this isn't a plug for like a friend. Or, no, 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 no. I mean, just checking. You know, I could reach out and get this guy on, probably, but um, like the problem is, you're probably going into quite a bit of detail, and then yeah. there's no point in having a book at that point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the whole point the is whole, to yeah, read the book. The, 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 the essence of the, the book is is um, obviously now we use the word super soldier. You know these kinds of things. Uh, maturing candidates obviously come up, don't know uh, maturing candidates and stuff like that. But yeah, but this is kind of of that ilk. This is like um, well, it's called the sixteen, is what it's called. And part of the part of this thing is to is to go a step beyond that, you know, beyond the sixteen, and that's what the book's called, One Step Beyond the Sixteen by John Irwin. So, okay, Are you ready for this? Yeah. So. Now feel free to ask questions as we go along because the, the, I always do. Yeah, you know, I'll be jumping around a bit here, but yeah, you know, I'll keep it in mostly chronological order. And like I say, I think you'll. Well, let's see. Let's see if you enjoy it or not. Let me let me know in the post, email, whatever. Supernaturalpodgmail.com. Buy a t-shirt, by the way. I'll get mm. into that at the end. Anyway, yeah, we will. So this all starts then with an eighteen-year-old lad in um, up in the northeast of England, uh, Newcastle way on. You know, so he's a he's a Geordie boy. And uh, he's dropped out of school, all right. And his ambition in life was to become a mechanic, right? Okay. So he worked on a few, uh, you know, cars and things like that. You know, local machinery, you know, farm machinery, even at a local garage. And he was kind of doing an apprenticeship, although, you know, in them days it wouldn't necessarily have been called that. But you know, today we would call it an apprenticeship. Yeah. That is until national service came around. Okay, so we're back in the fifties here, but. The chance of 
you know, the free meals a day and a wage coming in and a you know, steady wage and all the rest of it, you know, you can't really turn this. You've got to imagine the time we're talking about, the period of, of British life and all the rest of it. And his mum was struggling. I think his dad, I think his dad had gone at this point, uh, left them. So his mum was struggling. And this was a chance for him to make some real money, right, in the army. And they couldn't turn it down. And it was national service anyway. But Yeah. Um, and he didn't want to go. Right, John is wasn't the sort of lad who was going to go down to pub with his mates. That kind of lad, you know, he was more mm. of a type to keep himself to himself. Uh, very family orientated, like I say, he was looking after his mother and that. And like I say, what he was doing with the apprentice was to do that to help her, yeah. you know, pass the time, like pass the way. So he didn't really want to do it, but his mum sort of granted him permission to do it. You know, she she said it'd be good for you, it'll be the making of you, um, that sort of stuff. So. Like I say, a young, young Geordie lad. Uh, next thing he knows, he's jumping on the train. And I think the first place he went was Wrexham, uh, like a training training place. I mean, I went to uh, Chepstow, which is in Wales myself. But he, he went there. So he gets to his camp. Again, he doesn't know anybody. He's just gone down there on the train. He's turned up. And, and uh, at this point, I think you should point out that he's got a stammer as well. All right. So this makes it very difficult for him to... To knock around with the sort of guys that are in the British Army, right? We know the, the, the sort of what we're talking about. You know, similar to myself, probably yourself as well. You know, the the, the likely lads types. You know, the the, the the go down the. I've got a stammer now. Um, it's catching down down the uh, down the pub. Have a few pints. Talk about birds, football. Yeah, you know all that sort of stuff. And that's not John, right? But he didn't, he got on with everybody. You know, he want uh, you know he want like a recluse or anything. I'm not saying that. But he took time in the evening when everyone would go down to naffy and stuff to have a you know yeah. you know knock around with pool and darts and all that sort of stuff have a few beers all that he'd he'd, he'd take his time to go to the gymnasium right? yeah and he was a fit guy anyway and he'd go in there and anyway he'd seen one of these instructors you know the, the PT guys he'd seen one of them on the um, pummel horse right okay so. And I don't know if you, anyone's ever been close to a pummel horse, but to see that up close, the lads doing, and I've seen, um, you know, national grade athletes on the pummel horse and the rings, the fucking rings. You think, oh, that's a piece of piss. You jump on it and you're fucking dead, aren't you? Your fucking arms drop off. Mate, I can't hold my arms. Well, no, you can't, you can't <laughs> do fucking tie shoelaces without fucking passing that. Exactly. But yeah, yeah the, the, this this pummel horse is incredible. The speed they get on it and that, you know, and if you're, in, if you're close to it, it, it's phenomenal. And um, I can imagine, you know, being a young lad, seeing that, um, and he was intrigued by it. Mm. Um, so, anyway, and this guy cleared off. He thought, well, I'll have a go with that. So he jumps on this pummel horse, and he's swinging himself around, finding it very difficult, obviously. Um, and he'd been... He's a determined guy, so he'd been on it for a little bit, giving it a go, best shot. And that's when this um, guy walks up. And at this point, he didn't know who this, this chap was. He's just a well-spoken... Um, Guy walks up uh, in uniform in the PT uniform, so he's mm-hmm. so you know it's all he knows. That's all he knows, and he says, "I see you having a go at this pummel horse, and you see you're very determined and all that. You're not giving up, are you?" And he said, "No, no." I said, oh, "You know, I want to master it, you know." And he says, "Well, it's going to take a few few goes, you know. You weren't going to get it first time." He says, "But you're doing, you know, I, I like you. Know, you're not giving up, but I like that." And this guy was really well spoken, right? Mm. Queen's English, you know. And to him, that he, he felt like that was officer class, right? Yeah. So 
And they generally are, don't they? They come out of uh, yes. Where do they come out? Sandhurst. Sandhurst, yeah. So to Americans, that's your um, West Point. Yeah, yeah. So they come out and they've got that sort of that, that authority, aren't they? That sort of you know the difference between a grunt and a, an officer, you know. Um, so that's what he took him to be. Anyway, he, he explained some of the technicalities of the pummel horse, what he should do, uh, where he should throw his weight across the one, you know, to the side. All the, you know the things that you you would you would teach someone. And uh, he said, try that, give that a go, and. He said something along the lines at this point to him of, um, are you enjoying the army? And he had only been there maybe a week or so at this point. And he said, mm, you know, I, I don't mind it, but, you know, I'm not really cut out for it. It's not what I wanted to, to do. I'm here and I'll give it my best shot, but yeah. it's not what I wanted to do. So, Well, they don't have a choice, do they, National No, service? no, obviously. And this guy said, well, you know, he said, I, I'm willing to um, to help you out. You know, give you give you something more exciting to do. Oh, right? aye. Mm. So, obviously, he's intrigued now, and he, and this guy said, "Would you be up for that?" And John said, "Oh, yeah, you know, definitely anything to break up the monotony of just what's going on here. You know, yeah, the day to day sort of stuff." So he said, "All right, I'll be in touch." Anyway, that was it. So a few days later, uh, so he like say he'd only been there a few weeks, and a few days later, he he, he was asked to uh, report to the officers' mess, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and this is where he got a job in the kitchen at the officers' mess. So he's waiting on the officers, right? Right. And he said this was a really good job, right? Considering what he'd been doing before, you know, the day-to-day drudgery of just camp life. Yeah. He was getting extra ra- extra rations, obviously, from the kitchens. Always a good thing. Absolutely. And um, and he got to see a different class of, of person, obviously, and speak to these. But... Um, before the the lunch would start, he would read the menu. So he'd go up to the officers and he'd be sitting there and he'd read what was on the menu that day and then choose what they wanted. Okay, they got a choice, obviously. Um, you know, particular, even particular drinks, things like that. But yeah. obviously, this John had a stammer. So when he would read the menu, you know, say it was like shepherd's pie or, you know, shepherd's pie and, a, and white, you know, white wine or whatever, he'd, 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 he'd go, like, you know, shit, 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 And the officers were having a bit of a laugh. Yeah, I would have done. All right. And, you know, lads, like guys together, you know, the kind of dudes that the piss out of each other. Yeah, absolutely. And he's, you know, he's well versed to this now. But this gentleman who had spoken to him in the gymnasium, you know, the well-to-do officer sort, he was there and he said, Geordie, he said, Sing it, or you know, rhyme it. All right, and he went. You, you went. You, what, 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 what? And he said, rhyme it. When you're when you're reading that list, try and rhyme it. So he did. You know, he go like, um, uh, sh- sh- shepherd's pie and wine, or shepherd's pie and chips, and shepherd's pie or beans, and you know, and he could do it. Right, mm. he could get through the menu like this. Sorry, it, you know, a little bit embarrassing, but he could do the menu in one go. Yeah. So instead of standing there taking 10 minutes to do it, he could do now do it in 30 seconds, right? Yeah. And at that point, he really had a little bit of respect for this guy because he thought, you know, he hadn't just stood there and took the piss out of me like the rest of them. Yeah, he's helped. Um, he's helped me out. So anyway, and, and, and this stammer did start to clear up mm. as he sort of progressed, um, you know, as, you know, doing this day-to-day basis. But this only lasted for, in this officer's mess, only lasted for a few weeks. And then he was returned to the ranks. Right. Okay. So he's gone back to the ranks and he's thinking, was that it? 
You know, is that the excitement that this guy was on about? Is this, is that it? Yeah, you know, is it over? Taught me how to sing. So anyway, they're they're getting transferred now. So they've done like the basic training, and they're getting transferred to I think there was off to Cairo, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere in the Middle East. It might have been Malta even. No, I think it was Cairo. I think it was off to you know, I think it was off to Egypt. Egypt. Egypt's way on, right? And he said it was on these old Dakota planes. Beautiful and, planes. Yeah. And they're uh, you know, troop carrying planes and uh, they're American. It's a shed. Uh, yeah. But, um, <laughs> it's a shed with Anyway, wings. they flew and he, their plane caught fire. Okay. And they could see it. They could visibly see the wing, the fl- the engine was on fire, right? So um, they had to land and I think they landed in Malta. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Malta and they ended up in Cyprus. But... um. You know, he was that. So he says in this book that he doesn't think that was when they said, "Oh, you know, all the rest are going to carry on. This plane's going to get diverted to to Malta." He didn't think that was rehearsed. It wasn't yeah. a staged event. Okay, the the plane was on fire. They could see the smoke and stuff. So, he, he, you know, but it, obviously this leads on to things that are going to happen now. Okay, but okay. He doesn't think it, that was staged in any way. He thinks that was just a, a random event that happened on that day. So the other lads, the other planes carry on to the destination. They land in Mantle, and I think it was transferred to Cyprus, all right? And obviously the the British in Cyprus were having, in the 50s there, they was having like um, a real tough time with um, terrorism in Cyprus. And okay. You know, very much like we had in Ireland and places like that where we were trying to hold the place together and the locals didn't take too well to it. Funny right? that. There's a lot of places that don't want the British Army there. It does seem that way. But yeah. this is another example of one of those places. Cyprus is, is another place. So, the, the so the so anyway, when they got there, um, the first task was basically to assemble the camp. Yeah. This is a rudimentary camp. This is tents in the desert, your bad wire fence, mm-hmm. uh, all that sort of stuff. So that, that was kind of what they do. Digging the latrines, for example. You know, that was one of the jobs they had to do when they got to this place. So these lads set about sorting this camp out, setting the tents up, all the rest of it. And again, they'd been there, you know, maybe a few weeks. And the rule on the base was, because of the terrorist situation, now there was, you know, regiments that would stay in the barracks and regiments that would patrol the streets, right, looking for, uh, you know, terrorists and stuff. Yeah. All right. So his regiment was garrisoned in the barracks didn't really get to go out. If they ever did go out, like to the local shops, things like that, even to the beach, the the, the rule was that they must go in pairs, right? You could not go on your own. Okay, right? Because the pe- they would take hostages, British um, soldiers hostage. Yeah. All right. So, and between two guys, there had to be a rifle, right? So, they've been there a few weeks and obviously it's hot, it's a desert and all the rest of it and they got time off, right? And the only place they could really go was the beach, right? Okay. So those don't know, Cyprus is like a little island, isn't it? It's yeah. Like a, you know, it's not really, but it's got a you know, decent coastline. And rest of it. I mean, a lot of Brits go there now, don't they, on holiday and mm. stuff. Yeah, they don't dislike us anymore. Well, they want the rock back, and I don't know. They want yeah. it all back, don't they? I think they'll get it back soon as well. Mind you, run about building a bridge there, aren't we? To the mainland. I don't know. I think we should just give everything yeah. back, to be North, honest, North nowadays. Africa. Anyway, whatever. So... Yeah, we should just give it all back. I, yeah. I, you know, I don't care. Give Scotland, give Scotland back. back. Scotland back, yeah. <laughs> Scot free. But yeah, um, they should give us the vote. Yeah, give the English the vote. But anyway, yeah. um, I digress. I was so, going to say, yeah. So this particular day, they've given leave, and 
to be honest, like I said before, you know, the sort of guy that John is, he was just happy just to stick around a base, read a book, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, the two two lads that he piled up with, they said, um, will you come to the beach with us? You know, we want to go to the beach swimming and that. And he said, ah, you know, I don't really want to go. I'll steer and read a book or whatever. And they said, no, no, we need someone to carry the rifle because obviously if they're going in the sea, they can't go in there the with a rifle. Right? Yeah. So they used him as, you know, basically used him just to be there for the rifle. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they did get on. It's not like, you know, they're not like it didn't get on with him. So, you know, they shared a tent and all the rest of it. So he agreed. He said, yeah, all right, look, you know, no problem. He said, I, read my book down. I can sooner read my book down the beach than I can here. So they went down the beach. Obviously, then lad stripped off, went in the sea, and he sat under, like, um, you know, a parasol thing and just reading his book. Mm-hmm. All right? So anyway, time's going by, and he's not, you know, thinking much of it. He's got the rifle by his side, and then he had footsteps approaching him. All right? And like I say, the situation in this, you know, they are on edge. Yeah. Uh, he spins round, grabs a rifle, obviously, and it's this guy, this gentleman that he'd seen before, this officer, right? And this at this point, he introduced himself as Ken, so he gets the name Ken. Still, right, he, he carries no insignia on his um, uniform. He did have, like, the khaki uniform. He had shorts that were, I think he said it was tailored, so that the, the, all their shorts were just standard issue. This guy had tailored shorts that fit him really nice and... All that stuff. So again, you know, stands it makes you think he's that officer class. So anyway, walks up to him. He said, "Do you remember me, Jordan?" He said, "He says, yeah, yeah, I do." Like you know, so fuck, he said, I, you know, "I ain't seen him for a few weeks and that." That's since the officer's mess situation. Yeah. He says, um, "Remember, I told you before about." Um, but he asked him how life was going and all the rest of general crap like. And he said, "To be honest with you," he said, "This is um, just getting out today." He's like a breath of fresh air. He said, "We've just been cooped up in that camp for weeks, and it's like a desert." Yeah, and he said, "Well, you remember I told you about doing something exciting?" And he says, "Yeah, um, that was back in Wrexham, wasn't it? In the officers' mess." Mm. And he said, "No, no, that's not it. That's not that one. It that was just like a little side, you know, yeah. muscle thing." Um, he said, "No, no." He said, uh, "Do you do you want to still want to do it?" And he and he said, "What something more exciting than the, the trudgery of what I'm doing now?" Uh, and he said, absolutely. Now, he's thinking in his head, right? Because like I said before, there's regiments that were based in the in garrison, just in the base. And then there was these regiments that get to go out on patrol and at least mm-hmm. do a little bit of summit. And he thought, well, maybe this is my opportunity to go out and... Do a bit. Yeah. Yeah. In anger sort of thing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So that's what he's thinking in his mind. He, and, and this guy says, you're sure you're up for this? And he says, why me? You know, why me? You know, what's so special about me? Because the other lads like really like the army. You know, they love it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just here because I've got to be here sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and he said, to be honest, he said, it's not really you. You know, we're not, not picking you because it's you. We're picking you because we're looking for guys in the army who don't smoke, don't drink, and have got a really good level of fitness, right? He said, that really, can imagine, that narrows it down. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you. Tremendously. Yeah, so it's I almost think like, drinking's like a side event, yeah, isn't it, absolutely. in the army? It still is, isn't it? It's, it's in this country. It's everywhere, isn't it? So, yeah. We drink. <laughs> we drink, yeah. So, uh, especially in towns and all the rest of it, it's, like, it's a culture thing, isn't it? Yeah. So, he picked himself mm. because of his lifestyle, not because of something he was doing, necessarily, right? It just happened to so be that's, the right so, guy. So, again, you know, this is how it fall, fell into place. It's not... And he, he makes this point, and like I say, he's very modest, and if you read the book, you, that comes across... Um, and again, he's not, he don't hide anything. You know, he, it's all, it's, when you read the book, it's all out in the open here. 
um, who he was, what he was, what his ideas were, how he felt about things, you know, it's, it, and it does read like that. Uh, I think the idea is eventually to make this into a movie, all right? And I know he's been approached by scriptwriters from America and stuff, so I don't mm. know if that's going to happen or no, because this has been out a little while now. So we'll see, but anyway. So this guy says, you want to do something interesting? He says, absolutely. And he says, right, we'll be in touch, right? And he leaves yeah. it at that. He goes and the other lads uh, eventually come back out to see they go back to base, no, no issues. Anyway, so a few weeks later, or a few days later, um, weeks later, whatever it is, he's asked to go to the garage, okay, on the base, on the camp. And again, you know, he is a mechanic, so this is not unusual that he might be called to the to the garage because he's got a little bit of knowledge about this sort of stuff. So yeah. he's just called to the garage. He, he goes there, he meets this guy, and this guy says, are you uh, Geordie-like? And he says, yeah, I'm Geordie. He says, right, um, I need you to... Um, take this truck to Limassol right I think Limassol is the capital of Cyprus I think it still is is it I think it is so um, anyway he's asked to go to Limassol and he says where's that and this guy says you can't miss it you just go out the gates drive down there's like one road and just follow that road till you hit the town that's Limassol right mm. so he's like okay so uh, he passes him the rifle and he stands by this uh, jeep and uh, he stood there and the guy says what are you doing he says, I'm waiting for the driver. He says, you are the fucking driver. He says, what? He says, you are the fucking driver. Now, you've got your orders, haven't you? He says, yeah. He said, get in the fucking Jeep and fuck off then. And he went, what about the other guy? I can't go. He said, you've got your orders, haven't you? He, yeah. Go. So he jumps in this Jeep and he's off. And he's thinking, now nah, he's thinking, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Because mm. we're not supposed to go out on our own. So, yeah. you know, and he's never been to Limassol, I think. So... Um, yeah, you, you can imagine he's like brains going what the f-? yeah so he's bombing down this road and again it's oh shit just not the mic oh, that didn't affect anybody no I don't think it did no. um, so he's bombing down the road and like I say it's a desert road you know dust flying and all the rest of it and he's going for you know, a good click or so and he sees a guy standing by the side of the road waving his arms now mm. obviously he's on his own right you don't he stop. ain't gonna stop for this because this is danger danger yeah yeah. So he blazes past this guy who's waving his arms. Stood, remember, this is a desert, middle of nowhere. This guy stood there waving his arms. Anyway, so he blazes past him and he, he sort of clocks him out of the corner of his eyes. He goes past him and it's that it's that Ken, the officer, right. right? So he goes past him a little bit and this Ken's really like running down the road now. No, stop, stop, you know. So um, he's like, whoa. I know him. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I think this is what I'm here for, sort of thing. So he stops. And Nick Ken beckons him back, so he, he reverses back to him. Ken jumps in, and he says, uh, you know, where are you going? Like, past me. And he said, well, I didn't know he was looking for you. And he said, yeah. He said, right, I want you to just back up a little bit. So he backs up, and he says, right, see this this rock or whatever? He said, I want you to turn in here. Now, he's just going off this desert road, straight into the sand now. So he's like, what, turn off here? And he's like, yeah, just keep, go off here and keep going. So he does. So he gets, he drives off the, the main drag, and he's, he's bombing along through this desert now. Mm. And eventually, after a little while, they come to this sort of uh, hangar, you know, the, the typical sort of hangar, but it's sort of slightly buried in the ground. So it's real low profile. Okay. And at the front, there's like a door. All right. So they pull up there and this guy says, are you ready for this? Because no turning back now sort of thing. And he says, ready for what? And he says, well, for the excitement I told you about and all that. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm well up for it. You know, get off the base and that. So he says, right. Because once we're in this door, there's no turning back sort of thing. He says, yeah, absolutely. So, 
They go inside this door in this hangar. And um, the first thing he sees when he goes in there, there's other guys in there uh, doing this combat, this martial arts. It's not quite martial arts, but let's just say martial arts because I think that's the easiest sort of thing to to picture in your mind. Yeah. Okay. So he's got these guys doing this sort of martial arts around him, and they're really quick and you know really skillful. And again, he's like he likes a challenge, so he's like, um, "Fucking hell, do I get to do that?" And he says, "All yeah, all in good time, right?" So he's like, "Fucking hell, this is ace." Right? So he's going to learn something new. So he goes in this room, sits down with his Ken. This Ken says, do you want a cup of tea? Do you want a Coke? Whatever. Because I remember they hadn't had cold drinks or anything in the barracks and that. So he gets him this drink and um, sits him down. I think he had a cup of tea, actually. But anyway, he sits down and they're basically sat opposite this table and he pulls up a chair and they've got a light above them and all that. Like an interrogation room, really. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he's like, well, what the fuck's going off here then? Anyway, this Ken sits down and uh, starts talking to him. Just general chit-chat about his life, his upbringing, um, where he wants to be in the world, and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, the the point of this is, and this is what Ken tells him at this point, is that this is to take him beyond, right? This is to take him beyond um, the everyday sort of ticking of the brain, the mindless sort of drudgery of the, the the mind. This is to take him beyond that, right? To take yeah. him out of this. So it's like, you know, beyond um, reality, if you like. That's the whole point of this exercise that they're doing now. And and, and, and if you can pass this, then he's then he'll be accepted. Mm. All right. He doesn't know into what at the minute, but we'll come on to that. So he sits there and they're having a chat and, and he starts talking to him about his mother and stuff like that. And and he says, do you believe in God, Geordie? And he says, ah, well, you know, I said a lot of people did growing up in Newcastle-like. He said, um, but I don't know myself. He said, I can't really, I can't really, you know, get my head around it. It doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? You know, and he says, it doesn't make sense. And he says, no. He says, well, what are you here for then? He said, what do you mean? He said, well, if there's no point, if there's no God, no heaven or anything, what are you here for? You may as well just kill yourself, haven't you? Skip all this. Or if you think there is an heaven, you may as well skip all this and go straight to heaven, right? Mm. What's the point in life? And so it takes this sort of turn, you know, we're going from sort of like, you know, a casual conversation about how's your mom and how's, you know, how's your dad and all that sort of stuff, mm. you know what I mean? Have you got any dogs, cats? Or to this fucking like, you know, what's the point? You may as well fucking kill yourself. That's and he's nice. like, yeah, hey, do you want a cup of tea? And he's like, it, it's really started to, to play with his, his head fuck, right? Yeah, I can imagine. So... They're sitting there, and they're sitting there for a long time talking about these things, the complexities of life, and what's the point, and where do you go when you die, and where do you, where are you before you're born, and and you know he's just you know a lad. He's like, what the hell? So eventually, it, it gets to the point where I thought he was going to sneeze. Then no, no. just yawning. It gets to the point where um, Joy's sitting there, and he's he's like, you know. I don't know what the point of life is. You, you, you know, there is no point. Actually, when you put it like that, I may as well just blow my head off, you know? Yeah. And if there isn't heaven, I'll get there. And if there isn't, then whatever. I well, know. technically you wouldn't because suicide's well, whatever. a sin in the Bible. So, so. But yeah, um, I get the point. Yeah, depending on who makes the rules, isn't it? So, he passes him his service revolver, right? So this has gone on for like a couple of hours, this sort of mental breakdown, yeah? Mm. Um, And he passes him his service revolver puts on the table in front of him and he says well just fucking blow your head off then just fucking just get it done mate you know so he picks this gun up and puts it to his fucking head right 
And he's like, yeah, there ain't no point. This is a fucking waste of time, right? I may as well just fucking... So he puts a gun to his head, and this bloke says to him, what are you doing? He says, what? what? He says, what are you fucking doing? Your mum didn't bring, you your will for, bring to this world for nothing. What are you doing? And he's like, well, you just... For two hours, you've been telling me I may as well blow my head off. Now I'm going to blow my head off. Now you're telling me not to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So this goes on for a little while to the point where something happens with his mind and the is the the reality is in at this point um i'm going to i'm going to go in to explain a little bit about ken now cuz i think it's relevant all right he leaves this a bit later in the book but i think it's relevant at this point but ken although he was well spoken and all the rest of it and like i said he never carried any insignia right that pointed him to being in any sort of no officer, officer no okay. rank but he spoke like one he carried himself like one he was in the officer's mess all that kind of stuff he had access to wherever he wanted to go um so he seemed to be there um, was just no evidence of a rank no evidence of an actual you know but but he seemed to have that authority right mm. or maybe even more a little bit more than your general fucking officer you know yeah but he said there was something weird about this guy now he, this guy had the tan skin like so he's a white guy but he had tan real tan skin like he'd been there a while yeah. Um he had really big eyes. Okay, so like maybe a maybe a quarter bigger than the average human eye. Okay. So, you know, yeah, fairly, enough to notice. Fairly yeah. big eyes, you know. Um and he moved very robotically. So say there've been times where they've been talking in camp or wherever. And maybe someone will come in the room. Now, when someone comes in the room, you just flick your head around, don't you, and have a look. Yeah. yeah. This Ken would sort of do it in stages. Like, really slow. Mm. You know, like... And, like, the whole torso. Whole torso, a lot. Just, yeah, just, no, just yeah. flick his head around, you know. He moved like um, a robot, that sort of... You know, if you imagine, what you'd have imagined, yeah. yeah. And he, he had these sort of mannerisms, really strange mannerisms, and, and to the point where Ken had... Uh, sorry, Geordie had asked this Ken, where are you from? And he'd say, because he spoke Queen's English, right? Mm. So it's difficult to pick pick where he was from. Yeah. And he, he'd go, well, I'm, a, you know, I'm from, I'm from like Birmingham or whatever. And the next time you asked him, he'd say, where are you from? You know, where are you from in Birmingham? And he said, uh, why, well, man? I'm, I'm from I'm like, 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 so Shields or what? And he, like, every time he did ask him a question, he'd change his accent and mm. give him a different location. So he could never really pin him down to yeah. one place. You know what I mean? He kind of, was really shady about where he's from. Um, Dodgy. Yeah. And it, like I said before, he had these strange mannerisms that, you know, general people don't have. And he noticed them, but he, at this point, he's not really thinking anything mm. other than, you know, he's just an officer. So, anyway, they've they done this mental sort of breakdown sort of thing to the point where his mind and the reality of the room started to evaporate almost. Next thing he remembers... He's having an out-of-body experience, all right? So he's in the corner of the room. There's, there's a desk in the middle. With a, uh, Geordie sat one side, Ken sat the other side, and Geordie can see himself and Ken talking. But he's in the corner of the room, right? And Ken's focusing on him, and he's saying, right, I want you to really concentrate now. I want you to, to visualize the room, yeah? Visualize the room, and he keeps saying it and repeating it. And he had this really calm hypnotic way of talking, right? Right. So it's almost like putting you in a trance. You know, like if you go to a stage hypnotist or, you know, any hypnotist really, and they do that, don't they? They sort mm-hmm. of, they're real soothing. You know, imagine a waterfall. Imagine imagine flowing down the waterfall. You can see the waterfall. And then, 
and uh, now you you're gonna leave this podcast a five star review and <laughs> but anyway so um uh, wake up come back to reality but anyway so um uh, but yeah but, but leave the review yeah definitely so, leave but the they review. have that sort of um yeah that sort of mantra that sort of you know, and that's what this guy was doing, but he was saying, like, focus on the room. I want you to focus on the room. Can you see the room? Can you see the points of light and stuff like that? And he said, what can you see? Can you see yourself in it? And he was saying, yeah, I can see I can see us talking. And he said, right, now focus on the room. Focus on the room. Can you see the points of light? And, and he said, yeah, I can. And what he could see was all around this room, there was these real small sort of like... Um, Tadpoles would be the bit the easiest way to describe them. Mm. All right, but they were blue. But it, you know they were about the size of uh, maybe a couple of inches long, something like that. But there was all darting around the room, and when they hit um, the two guys sat there, because obviously he's visualizing this from the above the room. But when he sees these things, they hit the guy, the ping off like ricochet around the room. Right, right. So, they're, but they're traveling around the room, and they're almost like swarm in a swarm. Like moving around the room, but when they hit the guy, they ping off. And he's and it's Ken saying to him, "What can you see?" And he's, he's describing what you can see: these tadpole things. And he says, "They're souls. They're souls, right?" And he said, "What do you mean?" He said, "They're souls looking for a vessel. This is what all life is." And he said, "Can you see the different sized ones?" And he could. He could see like different, slightly different shades, slightly different sizes. Yeah. Uh, ones longer tails, you know that kind of bigger heads, bigger tails, that sort of stuff, and. He said, you know, the bigger ones, they're humans, right? They're humans. Um, they, the ones that are slightly different color, they're alien, right? The ones that are you know, smaller, they, they're animals, right? And he said, what do you mean they're looking for a vessel? He said, they're looking for an empty vessel. So they, they're all around you all the time. You don't see them, but they're looking for a pregnant woman, essentially. And mm-hmm. then this soul will go into that vessel, that, that child, or animal, or whatever it is. Okay. The different sizes, and he, and he goes he goes in a little bit of length in this, more in interviews than in the book, but he, he, he says the different sizes um, equated to, like, the first wave of creature that came to this planet, okay? That would be the higher intelligence stuff, yeah? The stuff that okay. could get away from whatever planet came from first. Yeah. Uh, which, would be, which would make the humans. That would be the first wave. Right, the first world that came here, and then there was a second wave, and then there was a third wave, fourth wave, and this is what he says. And you know, this is how he says it. And it sounds a little bit, you know, sounds mental. Yeah, it sounds a little bit crazy. But he he says this is why we call the third world, the third world, the people in Africa. Right, hmm. he said because their their souls, their energy that they they that in, inherits them is from the third world. It's not from the first world. Okay. Sounds a bit racist, I suppose, but, um, but you know, it's just like a, I yeah. don't know, it's like a religious thing. But that's kind of way, that's the way, almost the way he was described. That this, what this, this third world, first world, second world, all this, this is what it means, you know. Okay. Um, and so only certain frequencies, certain frequencies sound like fucking Andy now. But <laughs> yeah, you do a little <laughs> bit, yeah. But um, I'm not saying I buy all this. I'm just saying what this book says. But um, so. Only certain frequencies can enter certain frequencies. You know what I mean. So you yeah. have to you have to be vibrating in the same frequency to enter it. So that's where you get the different worlds from. Okay. So an an animal spirit, animal um, 
soul might be able to go into a lower frequency being, but it won't be able to go into a higher frequency. So, so a dog, so an animal that's going to be a dog, say, might won't be able to go into you. Yeah, right? but it'll be able to go into a cat. Okay, yeah, I see. Yeah, you know, that sort of thing, or maybe a goat, that sort of thing. So it's that frequency. So it's not high enough to get into a human, but it can probably quite easily slip between like a goat to a fucking giraffe or whatever, you know. Yeah. So that's kind of what what he was seeing, and he was seeing this, right? This is the first time he's been out of body. So anyway, eventually, the the room starts to come back to him, and um, it comes around, and he's got uh, bruised knuckles, cuts on his face, bleeding. Okay. And um, and he's like, "What the fuck? You know what's like? What's going on?" And they, they said, um, "You've been put through the beyond. Like you've gone, you've you've um, learnt the machine." And he says, "The machine." He says, "Yeah, we have to put you through the machine." It has to be in subconscious because it can't be conscious, right? Everything you're going to do from now on needs to be in there without you thinking about it, right? Just like when you're driving and you don't think about which pedal to press, which gear to change to, you just do it. It's automatic, right? It's in there. It's ingrained. But we're going to do that in such a way that it's going to go in there now. We're not going to take weeks to do this or months or whatever. You know, you might learn to learn to drive the car in a few weeks or something. 12 weeks, whatever it is, 20 week course or some, some people, yeah. I don't know. But they can't afford to do that, right? We need you in this regiment, this, the, what they're called, the 16, okay? We need you in this tomorrow. Basically, the only the only way they recruit someone into this 16 is if someone dies. Right, okay. Or leaves, right? So there's, there's 16 per regiment, per group in the 16. So there's not just 16 guys, but there's like, you know, 16 year A, 16 year B, 16 year C. But there might be a few 16s, but they're only a group of 16 guys. Right, okay. Right? And once one leaves or, or retires, whatever, or dies, then they replace him, right? But they can't, they, they've got to be straight mission ready tomorrow. Can't be training people up for weeks, yeah? Like mm-hmm. the SAS and things like that. So so that's why they do it in this way, where they, they break you down and put you in this place where they can make your mind susceptible to learn this stuff. Right? Okay. So he wakes up and he, he's so he comes the room comes back to him. He's got all these cuts on him and that, and he's saying, "What the hell?" And they said, "We'll put you through the machine." He said, "What the fuck's the machine?" He said, "You know the the, the martial arts or what, what the martial arts what you saw them guys doing on the way in." He said, "Oh, do I get to do that now?" He said, "You've already done it." He said, "What do you mean I've already done it?" He said, "You've just done it. That's the machine. You've done it." And he said, "What do you mean?" And he's got all these cuts and he's got blumps and everything. And he's like, "I fucking must have done." But he can't remember nothing, nothing. Mm. Right, last thing he remembers is seeing himself out of body and all that shit. Yeah, and he's waking up and he's got a cup of tea there. So this guy says, "You've been put through the machine," and he says, "Well, do I get to?" Do-? And he said, "No, you don't. You don't need to do it. You've done it." Right. So anyway, he's like blown away by all this. So he goes back to camp and things go on as normal, and then he ends up on this mission. Right, and I don't want to go. Like I said, I don't want to go too much into the mission side of things. I think it spoil it. But this particular mission is where the first time he sees the machine in action, mm. right? So they're scouting these caves and looking for these terrorists. And he goes into this particular cave and the guard dog or a stray dog, possibly a guard dog, though, sees him, right? Okay. So he's got a big problem now because they know that these guys are around. If this dog starts yelling, they're going to get seen. So... This dog comes running at him, and he said he don't know why, but this is the machine. This is what they were saying about the subconscious. The um, he dropped down onto his knee, 
he offered the dog his left arm, and as the dog bit down his left arm, so all in one motion, right, he's dropped down onto his left, he's dropped down onto his left knee, he's pulled his sleeve over his arm, mm. from his shirt, he's, he's, he's pulled his knife out of his boot, right, this dog's bit down on his left arm, and as the dog's biting down his left arm, he slit its throat. All in one motion. Without thinking about it. Right? It's just happened. Boom. And the dog's dead. Okay. Right? Very weird. Yeah. And that was the first time... He, I think they jumped him in the camp just to see if it had gone in. Right? So when he went back to camp, eventually, like one night, whatever, they jumped him mm. to see if this machine had gone in and it had. Right? He he, he reacted and he fended, you know, fended him, fended him for himself and stuff like that. So that was like the first sort of test that he'd had. But that was like, yeah. a, like a staged event. This was the first one that he'd done... Just completely random sort of thing where it just minor took over. Yeah. Without him even thinking about it. Just done and it. He killed this dog. Anyway, the, the story goes on where eventually this dog actually had two puppies and um, he took them back to camp and he got in a bit of trouble for that. He couldn't leave the puppies there to die, you know. Yeah, he's, he's you know, still he's, got a heart. Yeah, he didn't, yeah, well, that's what I say about him. He was he was not really, you know, cut out for this. He didn't want for, you know, like I say, it picked, he sort of picked him. He, he, they picked him because of what he was, not because. There's a picture of him up with the dogs, but um, oh, yeah, he did actually bring the puppies yeah, back yeah. then. And and eventually they got um, an officer like because they got found out and they shouldn't have dogs on base. And then an officer looked after him, actually took him off the camp and gave him away. So, but that was the first time he sort of seen the machine in action. Then they go on to um, do stuff in the cave as well with these guys and stuff. And again, I, I won't spoil that because I think it's in the book. But to the point where. This 16 is essentially um, a government, they're officially a government, all right, so the, so the government neither confirm or deny these exist, right? But the right. 16 are basically there you know, as a mysterious group that this far surpassed the CSAS. This, this, so the SAS, so what he says is that the SAS do a lot of missions for the government that the, that the government needs to do, but these guys were working for the whole of the country against the Illuminati, say. So against a secret order that wanted to destroy the UK and that. So the SES would go on missions for other countries and things like that. Mm. Whereas these guys would be sent out to, to basically sabotage the Illuminati's plans, right? Right, okay. With their takeover of the world and the total destruction of... And he, a lot of what he talks about in this is what the things that, that sort of relate to today what's going on today right right okay so this is what these guys were tasked to do um to basically cripple the illuminati from stop them from their domination of the of the world of you know particularly europe um you know mm-hmm. one world government one world uh, currency and all the rest of it um it's kind of what we're dealing with now yeah and some of the missions that he went on so there's this mission there he goes on and he says you know it's out of body thing, right? We could do this. So, this, I think this was an operation that happened somewhere near, uh, I think it was in Jarabad, but it's basically Egypt and on the on the border of Egypt and um, Syria, is it? Something like that, isn't it? Someone that way on. Mm. But um, he had um, this mission, and again, the 16 went out there, and it goes into great detail about how they crossed this river. Um, 
I think they, I think they was dropped off in Israel and moved across the border, things like that. And they they crossed this river. They, they've been told to cross this river at this certain point where it was fairly narrow, but it was high water, and you couldn't travel. You couldn't get across it in a boat, right? Right. Okay. So they had this device. It's like a crossbow device. And what you do, you, one guy would shoot. So so on the other side of this river, the, the where they've been told to to walk to, and obviously it's all maps in that in them days. When they used to go on a mission, they used to, to carry tourist maps. Yeah. Dress as tourists and um, carry tourist maps. So if they ever got picked up, yeah, they makes just say, well, just lost tourists, you know. So they didn't have official like, maps They had no stuff. military. But they got told that's across at this point. When they get to this point, on the other side of the river, there's a girder sticking up, like a metal girder from some sort of old jetty or some mm-hmm. sort of pontoon or even maybe a bridge. And uh, anyway, so what they do, so they see this... Um, this pole sticking up on the far side, this girder, this iron beam. And what one guy does, he, he stands sort of to the right of it, and another guy stands to the left of it, and they fire a crossbow across, right? So the first guy fires a crossbow across, carrying a, a, like a, a nylon rope, mm-hmm. yeah? So he fires that across, like a lightweight rope, and that goes there. Then the other guy, other guy fires his crossbow across that rope with a hook on it. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. So he recalls it back. That takes the the rope. Yeah. Bring that rope back around the girder. Once they get that rope back to this side, they tie a heavy rope on. All right. Mm-hmm. Which will support your weight. Well, not your well, weight. Well, not. I was going to say not my weight. <laughs> Most people's weight, let's say, the average soldier. But um, and then they drag that rope back across. Right. So now you've got like a loop of this heavy line. Yeah. All right. And then what they do, they sort of uh, clip on the carabiners. Okay. Shimmy across. Yeah. Right. Once they got across the other side, they unlatch the rope and take it all back off. So there's no trace of anyone ever crossing that point. If you okay. want to, if you, a patrol came down this side of the river, they wouldn't know anyone had gone across. Yeah, not no see boat the... or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and it, and if the other guys walked down the other side of the river, same again. There's nothing there. No marks, nothing. It's just... You wouldn't know. No. Yeah. All right. So, and they'll, they'll see, when they come back the same way, they'd look for like a rock or something on the other side and do the same back. It's very clever. Um, so that's how, that's how they got around this thing, and I, 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 I presume that special operations and that still use that sort of technology now. I would, I would, I would say. have thought so. Yeah, so makes sense. But the, but the the point is that this camp was on such a location that the only way you could really get to it uh, was through the front. Nobody could enter from the back because of this river, this raging river. Yeah, especially at this time of year because it was like say high. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why they chose to go in this way. All right. So they get to this camp and. Um, I'm pretty sure that it was owned by Russians, all right, as usual. Yeah, so, doesn't um, surprise me. <laughs> yeah, so um, they go in to this camp, uh, they make a distraction, they kill a couple of guards, they make a distraction. Okay, I'm doing this in brief because I want you to read the book, but yeah, they they um, cause a distraction, tinkering with a generator, all right, so that, that drags a few people over. Yeah. When that's going, and they make they make way into the uh, warehouse, and they're looking for this box, right? Not him, but the, the lead guy is looking for this box. He's got the, you know, the the task, if you like. He's looking for this particular box and particular guy. So he says, what what they're doing? And again, it goes into detail in, in the book. But they, they enter the room, right? Take this box. Mm-hmm. There's the top guys in there, the top scientists, chief scientists. They... They take his gun, shoot him in the head with his gun, put the gun in his hand to make it look like a suicide, right? The door's locked from the inside, all right? And then they come out the room with the box and take right. the box away without ever going in the room. 
Okay. Right. So this is all. I'm trying this, to trying to work that out, but yeah. So this is all this sort of um, so this outer body stuff, right? And this is this is where their remit this this where this this group's specialities lie in this outer body, this ability to do things that no other regiment can do. Okay. Right. And he does make the point that if if somebody told him that Ken was an alien, right? And this technology come from aliens. This abilities, he'd have believed it. Yeah, it wouldn't, it yeah. wouldn't be out of place because it, it. Where else could it come from, right? Yeah. And Ken was a very strange sort of guy, like I said before, and these mannerisms and things like he did. And again, with his vagueness of his background and stuff, and the way he looked, the it way it just he, made yeah. him think that way. All right. So, so this mission, they get this box right, and again, they've risked their lives for this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're coming out and they're tra- traveling over these mountains. They actually saw when when they um, approached this site. And it was night when they approached it. They actually saw two discs taken off. Your typical sort of flying saucer, yeah, UFOs. Okay, so that that intrigued him anyway. So anyway, they're walking they're walking back through the desert on the way back to um, you know where they're getting picked up. Mm-hmm. And he's saying to these lads, he's saying, "What was all that about? What is that? Because it's a little tiny box, right?" And he's like, um, like a scar box sort of thing. It's just a wooden scar. Yeah. And he's like, what What we fucking risked our lives for that for? And they said, oh, you know, it's got great powers and all that and shit and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, I need to see it. And they said, no, you can't, we can't show you. And he says, I've fucking, you know, I've risked my life. I want to see it. I know he's this new guy to the group. All the other lads have been around each other for quite a while. They knew each other and they knew not to ask silly questions and stuff like that. But he was new and he was asking these silly questions. So they said, all right. So they said, right, stop here then. And they said, right, put your coats over. So everybody put the coats over the bed to make like a tent mm-hmm. so they couldn't be seen, yeah? And um, they opened this box. They had a shot on a torch on, like, and they opened this box. And um, inside this box is like a velvet bag, right? So they opened this velvet bag, and inside this velvet bag, there's like a glass slide. You know what you might see on a mag- uh, magnifying, not a magnifying system, uh, what do you call it? What you look through. Microscope. Yeah. Um, we've seen that naked gun. <laughs> Just like the reaction, yeah. <laughs> he, well, he looks through it like that and he, he says, uh, I can't see anything. He says, open your for eye, Frank. He's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dilly. Fucking brilliant. Anyway, um, <laughs> forget where I was. No, no. Oh, so it's like a slide, okay? What you'd put under a, uh, a microscope. Yeah. Yeah, put glass slide. And he's like, we've fucking risked our lives for that. You know? Can't even see anything on it. There's nothing. And this guy says, oh, hang on. You haven't seen it yet, you know? So... He puts this glove on. It's going to be hard to describe on radio, but I'll do it the best. So, he puts this glove on, right? And on top of this glove, you've got like a like an LED screen. It's 1950s, don't forget. But you've got like an LED screen, like you get like on a watch now, right? Mm-hmm. So, if you imagine you, you, your Apple Watch screen on your, on your back of your hand, okay? Yeah. So, what this... So, this guy gets the slide, right? And he puts it underneath his hand. So now he's got his gloved hand over the slide with his screen on top. Mm-hmm. And as he runs his hand across the slide, yeah, this screen on the ship shows images, numbers, patterns, even like sound, you know, everything's going on on this, this image on top of this thing. He's obviously not like it, you know. Like I say, like an LED screen you say now, like yeah, it's yeah. like scanning the QR code and this thing image comes up. But he's scanning that, that piece of glass Incidentally, this piece of glass was glowing on its own, 
right? Okay. But he scans it like that, and then there's all these images and stuff, and he couldn't make out what there was, but he, it was things he recognised, like, you know, you see, like, an auto, like cars and... Um, the McDonald's logo. Sea stuff that he recognised. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was that fast. This guy just running his hand over it, and all these images fucking went, you know, through. And he went, yeah, that's it. That's the, that's the right one, right? And I put it back in the bag, took the glove off, and they went again. And, you know, he's new to the group, and he's asking questions, and... And they're basically saying, look, these are, these are so powerful, these things. There's like six or four of them. I think he thought there was six, but there could have been there could have only been four. And if you could get all four of those, the Germans were looking for these and all sorts of all sorts of people, including, like you say, the Illuminati or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. We're all trying to get these four. Because if you get four, you, you that's it. You can check the, the world's yours. Okay. Right? Uh they're not sure where they all are, but let's say we had a couple at that time, right? So we nearly got them all, right? Mm. And like I say, it's it's a big competition between all these different factions yeah. to get these. Because if you get all four of these and put them together, this technology, like what they say, ancient alien technology, whatever it is, that will give you the power to do whatever you want, right? That's how powerful these things are. And that was their mission, essentially, was to recover these artifacts, not just them, but other ancient artifacts that mm. didn't want to fall into the the wrong hands. I wonder if there's one hiding in Ukraine. Well, there's a rumour of that, isn't there? There's a rumour of um, an ark in Ukraine. So, you know, um, in the in the Arctic, they've got like... Um, is it the Antarctic? The Arctic, the Arctic, isn't it? Which one's the one that's just snow? Always get them confused. The Antarctic is South Pole land. It's a full landmass. It's a continent. So Antarctic. The Arctic the... is this floating block of right, ice. Right, so it's to be the Antarctic. Then there's yeah. a there's a there's a an arc there. So basically, it's like um, a hangar, and inside there's a DNA bank, seeds, you know, description of an animal, what it looked like, its DNA, uh, a description of a tree, what it what fruit it bore where it grew, the best climates, all that stuff. So essentially, if you was to, if the world was to be, um, you know, this third world war happened, all this nuclear shit went up and everyone was eradicated. Yeah. Someone could find that ark and reanimate the world as it is now oh, with this DNA, with okay. this, and they call it the ark, you know, like a Noah's ark. It's the same, diff- same sort of thing yeah. like the Bible's alluding to, you know, this DNA bank was stored and then repopulated the air for this DNA. The ark, yeah. like, that's the ark story in a nutshell. It's not a fucking building a boat and putting all these animals on and shit. It's yeah. obviously fucking talking about DNA. So we've done something similar. And the idea is that the rumour is that there was one of these arcs and it was somewhere on the Russian-Ukraine border but didn't know where, but they knew it was going to activate. So at some point they activate like a beacon. This is ancient technology now, not human stuff. Um, and the beacon comes off and then at that point, whoever gets it first owns it. So like China's got one, we've got one, America's got one, Russia's got a couple. You know what I mean? And every time you get this, you get a yeah. leap in technology, right? So whoever finds it first, but they knew it was somewhere around there, but they weren't sure where, but then it activated, and that's what sort of triggered this, what we've got now. So, you know, the Russians say, no, this is that's... our land. The Ukraine say, no, that's our land, because it's where it is. Yeah, right. that's... So that's just a rumour, but, you know. It's interesting <laughs> theory. Who knows? Um, it sounds like a good book, though. Like But this? Yeah. Yeah, like I say, I mean, it, it goes in, there's some more missions. I mean, if... Don't want to go into too many because no, otherwise, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do any more. But... Is there, is there more? Right, I don't. Just as a random question, obviously, 
it's an hour long. Is there more to this book, or have you just given like an entire? Oh no, no, oh, right, mean, okay. no, no. The, I've just basically, I'm, I've, I'm, I've basically told you like chapter one, two, maybe three. Um, I'll just go through the chapters now. So, so obviously the book starts with um, the first death, then a lesson learned uh, in the army. Now on the bench on the beach. Sorry, that's when you know the initiation, the machine ready for action. Death in the marketplace, and then the operation uh, pinprick and stuff. Suicide in Cairo. A lot of you know the thing there, a low profile, and then all together now, and that's the sixteen and Jarabad coming home. So there's a lot more in here than what, what you basically yeah. just skim through the yeah. There's a, and again, I haven't got into the detail that he goes into in here. All right, I mean this book's so easy to fucking read as well. It's not yeah. You can just pick it up and go. Um, and it's written like when he's talking about the other lads because the lads he's working with, and he, you know, he tells you what they said and what he said and how it all flows and that. And it, it's quite good. But the book itself is called The One Step Beyond the 16 by John Irwin, is available on Amazon. And I think it, I think it retails at uh, $20. But I think you can get it on Amazon for about seven quid or something. As I say, you normally get an audio yeah, book or something like that. Off Amazon I mean, you could get the book. I mean, it's 17. Yeah, you can get an ebook as well. Be cheaper. I'll probably find it. Yeah, but I'm sure it was like a tenner when I got it. Yeah, something like that. But anyway, yeah. So anyone that's interested in what I've said tonight, we're not we're not plugging the book. By the way, it's just you've just found this. It's something that I just come across, and I thought, well, I'll have a look at this. So if anyone knows John Irwin, yeah, well, I mean, like I say, I I could get him on, but to be honest with you, he's got a very thick Geordie accent. Okay, right. Well, considering they booted Cheryl Cole out of uh, America for, I think it was it American Idol she yeah, did, and the, they the, boot- like obviously, uh, um, you know, and she's not a massive important part of our audience is is American. Yeah, they won't so, be able to. They won't understand they wouldn't him. Understand him. I mean, you'd find it difficult to understand him. Yeah, right. Being from the south. Yeah. So, yeah, I could, but you know. I don't know. I think I've told. I you think we we'll drop him, drop him a message. Though. I think if you can get hold of him, so mm. you might find just have to. What we'll do, we'll, we'll say if we can get him on, get him on, do a show, and then what we'll do is we'll do a show the week after where you translate, translate everything, everything he said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but you know that that's the story. And again, I know there's like a lot of people who talk about super soldiers and these sorts of things, and you it's know, like a Captain America sort of thing. Yeah, is there these little secret? Mm. bands of groups I mean would you say there was would you think that's a possibility yeah I mean like plausible denial the thing is there's so much out there that we don't know about and to think that the government is holding some form of secret weapon that is human based I wouldn't say is out of any realms of possibility no do you know what I mean I wouldn't say there's any any deny I mean you know things like the SAS and things like that. They were pretty secretive. The only reason we know about them now is because they've been so well publicised. You know yeah, MI6. Yeah. We still don't know a thing about MI6. Not really. Um, and I'm assuming America and the CIA, things like that, SEAL Team Six, and things like that. They they don't. And these are ones you know about. Yeah, and you still don't these, know about these. Are these. Ones that we don't. Yeah, well, that's what I'm name. saying. Yeah, you know that. the ones the ones we do know about. We don't know anything. about. I mean, about. if these guys get caught. Right, to all intents and purposes, I think there's a mission in here where he talks about um, retrieving this, um, or he might talk about an interview, I can't remember if it was in here or not, but he talks about like retrieving like a, 
Russian technology going into places and stealing technology. The idea being that if these get these guys get caught, obviously they'll try and play it off as um, um, tourists. But if they get caught, there's no they don't exist. Yeah, right. So there's no regiment they belong to. There's no there's nothing. They just don't exist. Mm. So no one will take responsibility for them. The UK yeah. won't take responsibility. The American won't take responsibility. The fact that they they would just be perishable at that point. And yeah. that is, you know, something that they have to agree to to go in the op- this to mm. be part of this team. You, there's no, there's no re- coming rescue. There's no rescue for you. If you get caught, it's over, right? We ain't gonna even acknowledge you. Not like they might do with the SAS, for example, if the hostage situation, like Bravo Two Zero, mm. stuff like that. You know, they might the government might say, well, we will try and do a deal with you here because we want these guys back. Yeah, um, these go on their own. Yeah. All right. So I don't know. I mean. There's a lot of shit goes down in the Middle East, particularly with um, alien stuff, technology. I mean, you talk about Saudi Arabia and the pyramids and that, and not many people know there's all these fucking pyramids in Saudi Arabia. China's got some as well, hasn't it? Forbidden mm-hmm. zones and stuff. So is the Antarctic. Yeah, well. So is Mexico. I'm not sure about the Antarctic ones. When you like when they see fucking, oh, there's all these pyramids on Mars, and you look at them, and like, it doesn't even fucking look like a pyramid. No. It's just a rock. Yeah, you know the only I mean? reason you know about Egypt is because it's so... Obvious. But they're obvious, yeah. But it, you know, and obviously South America would be the same. Mm. Um, but like I say, that China's got these forbidden zones. They don't want no one to go in there. They even like fence them off and that. And you can't go in there by law. And why? What's there? Don't know. They fenced off Salisbury for a bit in this country. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> no, that's because people's fucking up though. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Yeah, though, is yeah. that what? It, yeah, you know, yeah. But I mean, I don't Chernobyl even know. Chernobyl was fenced off. I don't know, know if the, know? I don't know if the Chinese have even excavated the forbidden zone. I wouldn't put anything past don't the call Chinese. That the, place on Planet of the Apes the Forbidden Zone I'm gonna yeah, piss I'm gonna piss you off I've never seen it what I've never seen Planet of the Apes yeah what what no I've never seen it I, I've seen like clips of it from like YouTube and they, I've never seen the film Planet of the Apes is ace oh never seen Damn it dirty ape <laughs> again I know the quotes but just never seen it yeah I made the girls watch it yeah they loved it no, uh, but we had like the original one, so it's like uh, Planet of the Apes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Beyond the Planet of the Apes, and whatever the camera. Have... So they've overdone it. Oh yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I mean the first ones, like Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah. But um, but they watched and they were like, yeah, this fucking Apes. The first one's great. They got it. Oh. I might have to, uh, might have to watch it then. Definitely watch it. But anyway, yeah. that's the book. Like I say, if I I can put an Amazon link to this on. In the description, if anyone wants it, I'll put it on the, the um, put it on Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. So I mean, a lot of people are in the group. If you're not in, if you're not in the Facebook group, then please join it. It's mm-hmm. just the Bizarre Tales podcast, podcast. and it'll pop up. Yeah. Just join that. You don't. There's no questions or anything um, to join. No, no, it's easy, money. easy to join. Yeah, and then and while you're there, you, there will be a link to our new T-shirts. So come and check them out. I thank everybody that has bought one. Yeah, fantastic. Um, you know, and again, this is not this is not podcast related, so you, you know you don't have to walk around wearing our podcast t shirt. You mm, can wear one of I these t shirts. Yeah, I must admit, I've you know with my you know obviously you guys know I do me, I do my other one. Mm. Um, I don't sell podcast t shirts. You know, podcast t shirts are so rare to see. I mean, even when you're walking around town, you don't see people wearing podcast t shirts. Not really. Um, and our podcast, although the logo I think is probably one of the best ones out there, I don't 
think there's that there's that there's a stigma with you know with that if someone goes oh what's that and he goes from a paranormal podcast or the people go yeah, yeah. oh well, you're one of them are you you know what I mean it's like you wouldn't see you don't see many I mean now it's changing with the Bigfoot stuff mm. you do see people wearing like gun squatching and shit yeah. don't you yeah so that's changing starting to starting to but you, you don't see people walking around in Star Trek fucking t-shirts do you I have a Star Trek t-shirt you don't see it do you oh I have one you might see band t-shirts it's, uh, it says pew 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 mm, of course it does <laughs> but anyway um <laughs> These T-shirts are not that, so no, they're not. We're, we're call we're calling ourselves because of the the, the you know the Viking heritage stuff like that. We call ourselves Grimbarian Clothing. So if you go on GrimbarianClothing.com, you'll be able to find us. But again, if you go on Facebook, go on the Bizarre Tales podcast. Yeah. there's a link there to that. You can there's just link- type in Grimbarian Clothing. Yeah, probably. On there's Facebook, a link in the show. Up. But go and check them out. We've got different designs. I, I'm currently wearing the um, I've got the jumper which says uh, Last of a Dying Breed. Mm-hmm. So if you feel like you're a particularly a guy who feels like you know masculinity is being crushed under this weird world that we live in oh yes yeah that's a that's a t-shirt for you and if you want to offend everyone you can wear the one that i've got which uh, says if you touch my beard i'll touch your bum yes yeah it's not really offensive is it i don't know I don't know. My missus my missus i bought it my missus won't let me wear it she's like you're not wearing that why do you think someone's going to touch your thing people touch my beard anyway well, they're not going to know if you do that, though, are they? That's the whole point of wearing it, isn't it? Well, it's, yeah, it's supposed to be, a dis- you know, yeah, to put people a deterrent. Off. Yeah. Yeah. But, so if um, you're a man out there who's sick of this woke world and you've got a beard, then that's a T-shirt for you. That is a T-shirt for you, yeah. yeah. And um, if you do buy one, if anyone does buy them, post a picture on the group. You oh, know, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you know, we want, we want to do... Um, you know, get this worldwide. Really, we've, they're we've... really not expensive, and the no, they're not. Actually. The actual quality of the t-shirts is amazing. If you're into polo shirts, we do polo shirts as well. Yeah, uh, that kind of stuff. We do have like a limited range of things, and they'll be coming on as and when jackets for the winter, things like mm. that. So again, you know, keep abreast of that. Again, go and check it out and have a look. I mean, we do like tattoo designs. Um, there's loads on there. Loads of gear. Yeah, yeah loads. Know, there's of kids gear. stuff on there. Fuck's sake, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, my little one for a birthday just did a fox t-shirt and she's got a fox jumper or whatever it was. Mm. Yeah. So there's that stuff on there. So yeah. go and check it out. I'll leave the link in the description. If you, can, I mean, you don't have to buy anything. Please go and check it out. Just have a look. Uh, that's a massive help to us. Um, yeah, share again, it. A lot of you have already gone and bought a lot of gear. Yeah. Right? So obviously a lot of people do like it. So you know we can't say we have sold it. quite a lot. For that. So, yeah, thank you. Um, and again, that's on the thing. So yeah, that's enough rambling. But yeah, go and check it out. Yeah, be well, sorry if you don't. You will. Yeah, well, we will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll have but, to fund um, the podcast with your OnlyFans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's going well. Yeah, you still need, still need a volunteer to come along yeah, and help. Yeah. So yeah, um, <laughs> gay for pay. Yeah, but um, <laughs> God, <laughs> that might be edited out. That won't. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, so come, yeah, so I mean, like I say, because a lot of people leave donations and things like that. So if you if you're one of those people that wants to leave a donation and uh, yeah, and you'd rather have a t-shirt, well, that's the way to do it. Go get a t-shirt. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, and you can wear that with pride. And it, like I say, the quality is good. And especially if you're in the states, not um, just your fruit or loom shirt. It was, you know, it's not. We um, we had a a sale out in Florida, and she's message saying. You know, she went into Disneyland and there was people saying, oh, you know, where, where'd you get that t-shirt? She bought, I think she bought one that said, uh, long live the king. Oh, yeah. And uh, people going, oh, where'd you get that? You know, you're, you're an American and you've got... Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's amazing. And I think, you know, for things like that, it's uh, 
So definitely a talking point. It'll get you talking in a bar. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got there's one on there that says, uh, "I th- I drink so there I drink therefore I am." Mm-hmm. Yeah, different diet by design. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I like that one. Yeah. No easy way um, to be free. No easy, there's definitely no easy way to be free. Yeah. I want to so. get one that says COVID vax survivor as well. But I haven't had the vaccine. I was going to say you haven't had the vax. So. But there's plenty of people out there who will get the joke. Yeah. Um, not like a joking matter of people dying in the millions. <laughs> but uh, anyway, no. I digress. Yes. So, so that was that, basically. So that's that. If you like that, get that book. If you don't, then don't. Um, if you like the show, then let us know. If you don't, then don't. Then don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leave your reviews, uh, remember. Yeah, uh, five-star reviews, and, and most people have probably turned off at this point. Yeah, so. good <laughs> if the, the hypnotisation thing worked, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah and leave that. us a review. Yeah. But so, um, but yeah. next week we'll have something. Is it Halloween next week? Not it next is. week, it's, when week it's Monday, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we'll have something for Halloween, something interesting, a bit of luck. Uh, mm. And we'll probably have another counties out next week, will we? Yeah, I don't see why not get another one done so yeah so be sorry Cumbria next so week. long since the last show but you know work's been tremendous it's been mental absolutely yeah. mental and I've been off the beer so that's been depressing yeah so, so ailments I can't go into <laughs> there's no one listening now yeah, right, well, yeah, we're, we're done now anyway. that's it it's embarrassing yeah that's it we're done now so, yeah, all right, good night, God and, bless, and all that shit. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Well, they've gone. No, just for now. It wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. They'll be back. They'll be back.